get ready, get comfy for the next nonprofit insider podcast episode. What is going on, my people? Welcome in. Welcome into another episode of the Nonprofit Insider Podcast. I am your host, Swim Kareem. Hopefully, you're staying warm. <laughs> I mean, just the 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 cold that that that's hitting America right now is wild. Um, we're a couple weeks into 2024. How are you doing? How are you doing? Are, are you feeling okay? Are you already feeling the stress? Is it feeling like 2023 part two? Maybe it's feeling like 2020 part two. Things are getting crazy in 2024. <laughs> if you haven't had a chance already, be sure to go back and listen to some of our previous episodes, specifically the Nonprofit Insider Uncut series. That is where I go ahead and I dive a little bit deeper into certain aspects of the nonprofit space. We did one on work from home about three weeks ago. And then last week, we had a great episode on the NRA. I had a lot of people in my DMs on that one. A lot of people in my DMs saying, hey, I uh, like that episode. I want to talk to you more about that episode of the NRA. Hey, is it possible to get on one of your future episodes? Can I be a guest? So we got guests coming in 2024, but we're still a ways away from that, at least Honestly, at least probably like three, four more episodes, and, and then I'm going to start getting to the guest game. Listen, I, if you're going to listen to the podcast, I want you to have a really good time, and so I want to make sure I bring on some really good guests and take my time with it. But that's a little bit of a leak for you, a little bit of a sneak peek. We got guests coming up. We got some good ones coming up. Um, so yeah, check out that Uncut series, the last episode in the NRA. You can find it right here on Apple. If you're listening on Apple, you can find it right here on Spotify. If you're listening on Spotify... And like I said, hopefully you're all staying warm, staying good. Be sure to follow us on TikTok. Um, I'm producing some videos out there. Not getting a lot of likes. Listen, I totally get it. I'm not doing enough dances and cat videos, but uh, it's a great way to keep up with what we're doing. And if you're looking for people to follow on TikTok, hit me up with a message. I'll follow you. Uh, You follow me because... Uh, there's so much out there. You want to make sure you're following something good. I can guarantee you I'm going to give you some really good stuff. And be sure to follow us on Instagram as usual, at the Nonprofit Insider. Always got the links in the... Actually, you know what? I have not been putting the links in the the notes. So I'm going to put the the links in the show notes if you're watching this. Or excuse me, if you're listening to this on Apple or Spotify. That's another thing. I got to start getting on YouTube. About three months away from that. But I'm going to start producing videos. I'm slow rolling it, as you know. If you've been listening to us for some time, uh, we've got, listen, we got a great episode for you today. One of the things that's been really on my mind as we enter in this new year, there's just a lot going on. Election year. And what, listen, we don't talk politics here, but why deny it? The election is a very big piece every four years. Because look, I'm not talking politics and, you know, for governorships in Nebraska or Florida. But when you have the president race coming up, and this is a big one with a lot of names for a lot of reasons, you're going to talk about it. And I've been thinking a lot about public service in America. Um, one of the things with public service, it can serve as a gateway to many aspects into the nonprofit space. So I'm going to talk about that here in about 12 minutes, 13 minutes or so. Um, we're going to get into the aspects of the public service in America. So stay tuned for that. Uh, picked up a really, really good book not long ago called Historically Black Phrases 
from I Ain't One of Your Little Friends to Who All Gonna Be There uh, by Jarrett Hill and Travell Anderson. This is a really good book. I'm definitely going to be sharing this on Instagram. Pick that up from the library. You know how I do. I get everything from the library, so that's really good. Um, one of the things you all, you know, one of the things I really like to do is I just type in nonprofit in Google and I see what type of news results come in. Just give me a little bit of, uh, just give me some topics, some subjects for me to talk about here in the podcast. And I saw one the other day. I mean, I'm not even gonna lie. Even I was like, this is just too good to give up. This is probably one of the best headlines I've ever seen and it's perfect for us to talk about in the nonprofit space so we're gonna talk about that right here at the rate let me see what else is there anything else I'm missing um I saw mean girls over the weekend this is a, this is nothing about nonprofits but I saw mean girls over the weekend would not actually it was two weekends ago I saw I think the what's the week it came out uh would not recommend would not recommend there's this you know this old little uh, back and forth of what's better, Clueless or Mean Girls. Now, look, a lot of it's generational. You know, I grew up with Mean Girls, Lindsay Lohan. Um, she was so hot when I was like 12. I was like, oh, yeah, Lindsay Lohan, Mean Girls, great movie. And it is a great movie. Both of them, Clueless, Mean Girls, great movie. And, and, and Tina Fey came out with another Mean Girls movie. It's only been 20 years, which does not seem long enough to come out with a reboot. Uh, the movie was pure garbage. And not and listen. A lot of people have been saying because it's a musical. I'm not gonna lie. I walked in with no expectations. Got the tickets for free, and so when the movie started and they they did a musical at the first set, I was like, "Huh, that's interesting." And but it wasn't until that second musical part I was like, "Oh, this is like a this is a musical," and I did not know that. But the movie is not good. It's the same storyline as the last Mean Girl. So if you're thinking of going to the movies, go go see Amer was uh, American. Uh, what is that movie? American Traitor? I have to look it up here in a little bit. Uh, but do not go see Marine Girls. The the movie is garbage. <laughs> and I, I know a lot of people are saying like, oh my gosh, I went to see Marine Girls and it was a musical. And I am one of those people. I did not realize when I got these tickets that it was a musical. And by the time they hit that second set, I was like, oh shit. They did not, I did not realize this was a musical. I thought this was just a, a another Mean Girls type movie. And yeah, the movie was not good. The storyline was exactly the same. The acting actually wasn't that bad. But the writing and the production and the editing, it, it really just seemed like a waste of time. It was an unnatural, unoriginal movie. Don't, don't go see the Mean Girls movie. Go, go, see, go see American Fiction. I think that's still in a couple of movie theaters. That's a movie you need to go see if you're going to go out this weekend. Um, Let me see what else. All right, I think that's enough. Let's get into it. But first, let me tell you about my friends at Red Rock Roasters. Listen, you know I've been talking about Red Rock Roasters for some time. They have been a supporter of the Nonprofit Insider podcast pretty much since the jump. And look, I wouldn't even be talking about them if their coffee and business practices were not good. This is the coffee destination you need in your life. And one of my favorite things, they have this thing called the Red Rock Roasters Coffees of the Month Club. And look, it's a new year. 
new year, new you, maybe some new coffee, right? Based out of Albuquerque, New Mexico, Red Rock Roasters is a local family-owned, multi-generational coffee speciality company, and they have everything you are looking for. And with their Coffee of the Club, they are able to send you coffee directly in the mail, ships every single month on the same day. You don't have to get out of your car. You don't have to go inside to get the coffee. You can brew this coffee right at home, and they have all kinds of roasts, all kinds of flavors. You're gonna wanna give this a try. Head over to redrockroasters.com. I have the information in the show notes. You can check them out on Instagram. I'm posting about them all the time because their coffee is phenomenal and they have such an amazing sustainable footprint in the Albuquerque area. Be sure to check them out. We appreciate them sponsoring the show. All right, time for today's new segment. And listen, sometimes in life you get a article or a piece of nonprofit information that honestly you you can't even make it up this is one of those stories and if you're listening to this on a 24th wednesday the day it's released or something like that a week ago i I just typed in nonprofit in google typed in nonprofit look clicked news and saw what was coming up in the very first headline that came up had me almost drooling at the mouth. This is from NPR uh, writer Tom Dressback. I hope I said his name right. And the headline says, and I quote, lawmakers call for IRS scrutiny of Trump-backed nonprofit that aids January 6th rioters. Rioters, that is, not rioters. Um, It's got everything you want. Great keywords, first of all. Lawmakers, IRS, Trump, January 6th, rioters, nonprofit. So I'm like, I absolutely have to click on this and read it. And look, I'll give credit where credit's due. The writer does an amazing job. And I guess NPR has been has been tracking this for some time. So l- let's back up here for a little bit. So I, I want to read the very first line because I think that's a really good start. Quote, congressional Democrats are raising alarms about a nonprofit group that provides financial support for defendants charged in the January 6, 2021 attack on the U.S. Capitol, questioning whether the organization's apparent support for Donald Trump's presidential campaign may violate federal tax law. And it goes on to say that this is an organization that's called Patriot Freedom Project, and they basically launched... Um, after the January 6th events. And they they basically are a they they raise money and then they use that money and the, the legal defense of people that are being charged in the January 6th um um what is it siege. Totally legal, something that you can do and something that's been done before. If you had a chance to listen to the previous episode, um the nonprofit insider uncut episode of the nra i talked about how back in 19 i think it was 1975 maybe 1978 the nra came up with the civil defense fund this is something as old as many nonprofits. the naacp did this very well in much of the 60s and 70s and they continue to the day aclu does that where you basically have a nonprofit 
organization that you use to help in legal defense. So that's not unusual. Regardless of politics, that's not unusual, right? But it goes on to say that one of the things with this nonprofit is that they are basically using their platform as a pulpit to have a direct linkage to the outcome or uh, in the political sphere. Now, listen, again, if you listen to that previous episode, that is not against tax law when you are a 501c4 because you can get donations, but those donations are not tax deductible. So I can give money, for example, to the NRA's legal defense team. I can give them, let's say, $1,000 every year, but I'm not able to, to put that as a tax deduction because the NRA's uh, organization, they go about doing things like lobbying and um, trying to sway people in the political sphere. But this organization, Patriot Freedom Project, is a 501c3. A, a huge no-no in IRS tax law. And so one of the things is, according to this NPR um, reporting that they've done, they found a, a number of instances of this nonprofit going against the letter of the law by directly or indirectly partaking in partisan political campaigns or the endorsement of politicians or the opposing of candidates. This is something that I give a lot of credit to, to, to the NBR team for doing a lot of investigation of this because if this is true and it's found to be true, the IRS can come down pretty hard on, on this organization. And so one of the things it says is that And I quote, as NPR previously reported, the founder and president of the Patriot Freedom Project, Cynthia Hughes, encouraged people to vote for Trump at one of the group's events held at Trump National Golf Club Bedmeister in August 2023, end quote. It it goes on to basically uh, give a very, very good quote from Hughes from, from a video that was posted online where the president of this organization says, and I quote, When you go to the ballot box, don't worry about what you hear in the media. Worry about what's right for this country. And the only thing that's right for this country is this gym as she turns and points to Trump. I actually found this video online very easy to find. I'll I'll put it in the show notes if you're interested. And that's the type of thing that the IRS does not want to do. If you are a 501c3, you cannot partake in that type of partisan activity. Um, one of the things in looking and reading this, this great article, they had two quotes uh, of probably some of the, the, the best quotes I've ever heard or seen from politicians as it relates to being in this nonprofit sphere, um, as of late. And so it goes on to, 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 to give a really good quote. Let me make sure I have it here. Um, from Republican Bill Pascrell, Jr. of New York. And then another good quote from Senator Sheldon Whitehouse, Democrat out of Rhode Island. And and so Republican Bill Pascrell of New Jersey um, oversees the Internal Revenue Services uh, as a top Democrat on the House Ways and Means Committee on Oversight. So basically, he's part of the, the leadership group leading the IRS's oversight and so this is right up their wheelhouse and he says and i quote if this purported nonprofit organization is using its pulpit to promote donald trump the group is just not supporting the same 
authoritarianism exposed by the insurrection. It is also breaking federal tax law and must be held accountable. The IRS should investigate this case immediately and crack down on those potentially abusing our tax code. Now, look, there's a lot of political language in that. Uh, if you're if you're a Democrat from New Jersey, you're probably not liking Donald Trump. So you listen, you take that with a grain of salt, right? Um, but it is true. If it is breaking federal law, regardless if it's Trump, Biden, Obama, Clinton, Bush, whoever, you're not going to get away with that unless you're really strong arming. But this is the quote that I really, really loved um, from Senator Sheldon Whitehouse, Democrat uh, of Rhode Island. Um, raising concerns on what he used on this tax law. And he says, and I quote, there are 501c3 organizations that openly flaunt the law and solicit tax deductible donations to fund political activities. These political organizations masquerade as charities and brazenly ignore the law because they don't think the IRS will enforce it. Too often they're right. It's long past time that the IRS cracked down on these abuses. This is an article. I'm going to put it in the show notes. Be sure to check it out. I love that quote. I'm just reading one more time. There are 501c3 organizations that openly, openly flaunt the law and solicit tax-deductible donations to fund political activities. And look, I think this is, a, to, to be completely honest, I think this is an easy one. I think this nonprofit should come up with a, this is what I would do. And I'm sure they've been probably counseled by now. And if they haven't, then they're not smart enough. They shouldn't be operating. Just come up with a 501c4. Continue the 501c3 um, under the Patriot Freedom Project. And then have your lawyers, have your executive team come up with a 501c4. And then you can start doing all the lobbying and political activities you want. And then probably what they're going to do is start funneling the the funds from the 501c4 to the 501c3 if they decide to keep it maybe for foundations or continue with the legal fund and things like that. So this seems like an easy one, but this is the type of story that I like hearing um, and I like seeing because, like I said, the IRS is very deep on these types of things. And like the senator said, forever and ever, they would let this thing, they probably wouldn't even really spend too much time on it. But with uh, big fishes uh, come big uh, big rods. <laughs> so I'm going to put that in the show notes. Uh, be sure to check that one out. All right, listen, I'm back. And look, did you have, you have a phone in your hand? I know you have a phone in your hand. Set the timer for 40 seconds, because I'm not even going to need 40 seconds. I'm only going to need 30 seconds. You ready? All right, go hit the timer. Listen, I already told you about Red Rock Roasters. They are the premier coffee destination in Albuquerque if you're looking for coffee. It, look, it's, it's a new year. Why don't you try some new coffee? Go to redrockroasters.com, because I know you have your phone because you're telling me. Go to redrockroasters.com. Check out their coffee. They have the coffee of the month club. This is the coffee directly to you. They have a, an amazing assortment of French and ground and, and, and whole bean. It, it, listen, it doesn't matter. They have you covered. So go to Red Rock Roasters. Follow them on Instagram. They've been a supporter of the show since the jump. And we love what they do because they have amazing business practice and they just have amazing coffee. Go try them out because I think you'll appreciate it. All right. Am I good on time? 
All right, cool. Let's get back to the show. All right, welcome back. One of the things I've been wanting to do here on the Nonprofit Insider Podcast for a long time is an episode just about volunteerism. And volunteerism is a deep part of my life in the nonprofit space because that's pretty much where I got my start. So look, give me like 10, 12 minutes here. Um, Hang out with Uncle Swim. (laughs) You're an insider. Let let me tell you a little bit about my life real fast here because I think you'll appreciate this here. I first really got into the nonprofit space back in 2004-ish, 5-ish. I had just moved with my my mom. We moved from Philadelphia to Charlotte, North Carolina. Shout out to the Queen City. Uh, Shout out to the folks I know out there. So we just moved moved to Charlotte. And it was, I think it was, was the first summer? I think it was the second summer. The second summer I was there, my mom started working at a hospital because she got a job at some place to just kind of hold her over a little bit. But then by you know, a couple months later, she got the job at a hospital because she was in the radiology. And so she got the job at CMC, I think it's staying for Carolina Medical Center, just outside of downtown. And... One of the things during the summer between eighth grade and ninth grade, she was like, listen, you're not going to stay at the house all day. So you're coming into the hospital and you're going to volunteer with me every now and then. And so I'd go in maybe like two, three days a week, something like that. Not 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 too crazy, maybe like two to three hours. And I'd be one of the people that would push people from the elevator to their car. So you just had surgery and they release you, and so you get off the elevator, and the nurse, whatever, would hand you over to me, and then I'd push you from the elevator to your car, or you just had a baby, and I'd push you from uh, the, the the elevator or the cafeteria to your car, and then you know you get in your car, and then I put the wheelchairs back. So that was actually my first introduction of being in a nonprofit space, and it really. It, it really was a springboard into the volunteer space. And so I went on to uh, volunteer all through high school, got scholarships because of all the volunteering I was doing with Key Club, Junior Civitans, um, American Red Cross Club at my high school, my junior and senior year. And so when doing all of that, I ended up going to college specifically uh, because of the volunteering I did. And I just always had a love for the way that volunteering could bring about community. Continued it with post-AmeriCorps, post-college, and then when I entered into my uh, career, I I knew I wanted to have some type of uh, connection to the nonprofit world, whether as a worker or as a volunteer. So I've been volunteering pretty much all my life. And and one of the things when, when thinking about the aspects of volunteering and my desires to do an episode all about volunteering, it's, it's almost so close to me that I I don't even know if I could be able to do it justice because of the, the close affiliation and affinity that I have for volunteerism. And when thinking about public service in America, one of the things that can get really not lost, um, but muddled as we get careers and family and midlife and, and taking care of elder parents, right? You know, I'm all, I'm 30, I'm 35, I'm going to turn 36 here in about, you know, two months. And, and when I think about all the things I have to do, there's still a large part of me that has a deep 
aspect to public service. And one of the things is public, a lot of people forget that public service really is the is the drive that lends into nonprofit creation. And you see this in all types of sectors or parts of the nonprofit space. There is an aspect to helping out your neighbor, to helping out the people in your community, to wanting to help the, the world as a whole, where you see public service as something that can help in that. And and and, and one of my favorite podcasts that exists out there is uh volunteer the volunteer nation podcast by toby johnson she's an industry leader and so she's up there with um some really high level people that are in the volunteer sphere of the nonprofit world like that subsector of the nonprofit space and toby johnson is one of those leaders so shout out to her she's one of those i would love to get on the show one one day in time once i get a little bigger here (laughs) and so she had an episode, this is probably one of my favorite episodes, episode 48 of hers, she had on a lady by the name of Dr. Mary Hyde. And, and, and she is, I, I want to make sure I give her, get her exact title. She leads the, um, like the research department and the volunteer engagement for AmeriCorps, like the surveys. Uh, she leads that part of, of AmeriCorps. And in the episode, she was talking about some of the activities that were happening coming out of COVID. Because again, this was in March 2023. And one of the things she was basically indicating is that when we think of volunteerism, it doesn't have to be as formal as we all think it to be. You don't have to go to an office. You don't have to log hours. You don't have to clock in. You don't have to clock out. Um, You don't have to go to award banquets. Sometimes volunteering is as simple as hey my neighbor around the corner has a cat that's missing uh that that was been missing for the last 24 hours and so she's going to have some folks just kind of search the neighborhood to see if they can find the cat or i have a friend who is a single dad or a single mom or single parent and the babysitter canceled and they need a babysitter for four hours later today can you watch the kids those types of forms of volunteering are informal. They don't really still have one stat sheets and they're hard to really track and measure. But Dr. Hyde was saying that in their surveys, a lot of people do that type of volunteering because her and her team, they try to do a really good job of laying out all the different ways um, people can identify volunteering. And so they do a great job of saying, hey, did you do anything like take care of a friend's kid uh, partake in a a pta a parent teacher association group did you do any type of work with the girl scouts you again you might not track that and so the nonprofit organization themselves may not track that or you may do a form of volunteering that doesn't need to be tracked uh, because you're just doing it to, to help your community as a whole and you see that those types of initiatives from people to help others over time, whether it's over a span of a, a few weeks, a few months, 
Uh, we were talking earlier about um, the, the the lawmakers calling for the IRS to take a look at that project, Project Freedom. I can't remember the exact name. The Project Freedom Organization, right? That's one of those things where on January 5th, that nonprofit did not exist. Then January 6th happened, the insurrection, and then a few weeks later, this nonprofit developed. Sometimes the turnaround is that fast in the nonprofit space. Other times, it can be slow. It can be weeks, months, years, tens of years until you go, hey, you know what? What we're doing here is good enough for the community that we need to get some tax breaks, right? And you see this in all sectors, education, schooling, art. You see this in medicine. Wherever wherever there is a desire to see change and you believe that change is possible in a not-for-profit space, you are putting the groundwork of that public service lending or bleeding into the development of a nonprofit organization. In so much of the nonprofit space, we really can forget that. We can forget that the basis of what we're doing is the betterment of people. Now we may we may know that part, right? You may we may know that part, but we can forget that a lot of it is just public service base. Before you start getting into the, the billions of dollars or the millions of dollars of these top nonprofits, before you start getting into the aspects of labor and union, which you know is a big part of what I appreciate um, in, in labor, right? Before you get into the aspects of thinking of 401ks and health cares, before you get into the aspects of having real estate and buildings and executive directors, before any of that comes to be, there's usually a person or a group of people that are vested in the aspect of public service. And it is from that spark, it is from that seed where you can have the ball roll into a nonprofit. And it's why at the purest level of many communities, you can have Uh, co-ops, garden co-ops, you can have scholarships, you can have conservation movements because you may look in your community. Let's say you live in um, Silver City, New Mexico. If you've never heard of it, small town. I think it's like 8,000. I think it's less than 8,000 people. I think it's like 6,000 people. I I don't even remember. 13,000 maybe. Let's say you live in Silver City, uh, New Mexico. Or let's say you live in Weaverville, North Carolina, right? A a town of 10,000 people. Winfield, Kansas, a town of 12,000 people. And you have uh, a group of young high schoolers and they're going to high school and they're going to college and they're sending money back to the family or whatever the case may be, right? Maybe they don't want to be farmers or construction workers or working fields. And so they're just doing whatever they can to expand themselves um, in the world economy. But a lot of those high schoolers know that college is expensive. And so the community may say, hey, you know what? We have some high schoolers. Hey, before GoFundMe, before all that was going on, they say, hey, we're raising some money so some of these kids can go to college. Over time, you may say, hey, we're doing this enough that we want to start a nonprofit organization. And we want to start having uh, fundraising events. And we want to start having... Um, 
all types of ways to raise money so that we can have scholarships for these kids. That is the one of the purest examples of public service in America. Now, you could say, hey, isn't that something the government can should be covering? Neither here nor there, right? There's all types of instances of who should be covering the bills for this, that, or the third. But it's one of those examples of, hey, you know what? We have this plot of land in our community. It's, it's vacant. It's not being used. Can we raise some money, start a nonprofit, and use that space to start a community garden? That's the shit I fucking love. That's the shit I fucking love. And, and, and it can feel like many of us are, are, are divided in America. We've heard, we've been hearing that for some time. But at it, again, at its core, people are working together. And I really do believe that there is more of a desire to see public service and public working together now more than ever. There's, there's again, it may be in smaller fashions, right? We may say, hey, I only want to help these types of folks. Or I don't want to help those types of folks, people that are close to me. What? Yeah, we know that there's a lot of the division. But for, for my money, uh, public service in America is just as strong as ever, if not stronger than ever before. And I'm here for it. All right, before we get out of here, last eight nine ten minutes we'll go ahead and get out of here our rapid fire books our first rapid fire books review of, of 2024 um i did a fair amount of book re- book reviews in 2024 one of the things i think i'm gonna do nice little compile so when the summer comes along and you're looking about uh, a nice book collection because you're going to the beach you're going to nantucket long beach hampton Mike, wherever you're going you're gonna want a nice book collection and one of the books you absolutely need to add uh, not only to your book collection but to your home collection this is a nice table book historically black phrases from i ain't one of your little friends to who all gonna be there by authors jared hill and travel anderson this book is phenomenal i'm definitely going to share this uh probably on a real instagram maybe do a little bit of a minute sour view uh, on instagram we'll do it for tiktok a phenomenal book. Picked it up at the library maybe a few weeks ago. And this was in one of the, the new section because it, it just came out not that long ago. Um, I know my library, so you can hear I got the pages flipping here. Uh, I think it came out in late October, early November, if I'm not mistaken. And the first thing you notice about this book, absolutely amazing cover. Absolutely amazing cover. The backdrop is good bold brown or not even brown uh bold gold light lightish brown you know if you get close to it but it's really like gold um good imprints of white uh, the back is nice and it's easy to read thick um nice bind like it's is a hardy book and it just captures the eye. And listen, one of the things with any book, they say don't judge a book by its cover. Bullshit. If the cover is good, you're gonna you're gonna walk up to it, regardless of what's inside. That's the good start. It's like when you're dating, you see someone across the room, like, damn, they look fine. And then you go and you talk to them. This is that type of book. Uh, like with any book, you 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 know, you just open up straight to the middle, you start flipping through, and and the first thing I notice only three colors 
only three colors. Black, white, and gold. It, gorgeous. The, the font is nice. The size is nice. And the color is nice. The, the color pages are black and, and white and gold. Black and white and gold. Gold, white, gold, black. And so the variety of the color is easy on the eyes. It's a nice little read, which is really, really good. Like I said, great binding, great weight. And the first thought I as I kind of filmed through the book, I was like, I don't even need to, I don't need a lot. This 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 book is good. This book is good. And one of the things that I thought about going to college for, and I should have I don't know if I should have done it because I went to school and I ended up being in economics, getting an economics degree. But I've always loved the use of the English language because I like language, period. And I just happen to speak English uh, because I live in America, right? But I love the English language. And one of the things I really loved about the English language is idioms. And there are a lot of idioms that are out there. You know, the, the pot calling the kettle black, um, one in the hands worth two in the bush, keep your ears to the street. Um, that's been remixed a couple of times. But there are a lot of great idioms that exist out there in all types of cultures to share about morals and, and language and ideas. And in the black community, idioms are super huge. So just this book, honestly, is not just it's a good book, but for me personally, it really speaks to me because there's a love of language, culture, diversity, colonialism, struggle, growth, um, um, pride, all the things that, that come with just being black in America. And so, the, again, the authors, Jerry Hill, Travell Anderson, I actually ended up watching an interview with them on YouTube. If I can remember, I'll put that in, in the chat box. Um, just an, um, they do such an amazing job of really highlighting some of the the language and the feel and the verbiage that's being lacking in America. And so, you know, there's a couple of good ones in here. I'm just like, let me just, let me, let me, as I scroll through, I'm like, oh, what are some really good languages and pieces in here? Um, <laughs> I love it. Tell the, tell the truth, shame the devil. That's a good one. If you haven't heard, look that one up. Uh, if you like it, I love it. That's a really good one. Uh, keep your head up. A lot of us already know what that means. That's translated. Ooh, one of my favorites, page 138 of the book. Um, I fucks with you the long way. Translation, I regard you with great appreciation and thanks. Usage, and they, they do an amazing job of setting it up to where they'll have the little idiom and then they'll put the pronunciation, the translation, the usage, and give an example. And that's it. So they do a great job of less is more because you don't feel like, you feel like you're able, they do a great job of grasping it and explaining it in a short amount of time to where you're just like, oh yeah, like I recognize that. So I fucks with you the long way. Usage, an expression of deep gratitude or respect that conveys the extent to which the speaker is indebted to the spoken to. It is sometimes accompanied by a hand gesture of appreciation, such as a fist or a chest bump. If spoken with a pause between you and the, it could be perceived as sexually suggestive. Like, I fucks with you the long way. Girl, you fine. Like, that's, I love it. 
Um, and they just give a, a really good example, which is really nice. Page 62 of, of the book, John, J-A-W-N. That's a Philly slang. I'm from Philadelphia originally. I'm going at, back out there actually in three weeks if you're listening to this on, on the 24th. And, and the usage um, is Philly slang that can be said for literally any person, place, or thing. So basically like a noun. Uh, depending on the context, similar to joint, thingamajiggy, and a whatchamacallit. And that it sometimes is said in reference to a person, place, or thing the speaker has forgotten the specific name of or that isn't important enough to explicitly um, name. Uh, An example is uh, Lucas sees one of his friends wearing a nice pair of shoes and says, dang, them Johns is nice. So Johns being like the shoes is nice, things like that. Um, There's some other really good ones in here. Looking how you looking, that's really good. Uh, I ain't one of your little friends. That's right there in the, in the thing, which is really nice. Let me find out. That's a good one. Let me find out. Let me find out somebody out here in these streets saying my name the wrong way. Let me find out you dating somebody and you ain't tell me. A good book. I, I don't even need to explain too much more. Again, big shouts to, to, to the authors. Their research is, is amazing. I'm sure they had an amazing team. And I know in the acknowledgement, they provide a lot of acknowledgements. First off, to the culture. Um, a lot of They give a lot of love to their respective gods. I think one of them was, was said from South Carolina. I'm, like, I'm looking here real fast. I can't remember if they're from South Carolina. Or, uh, Charleston, South Carolina, graduate of Morehouse and Stanford University. This is Travell. And then the other person was from uh, native of California. And that's one thing before we get out here, I really appreciated about the book. They have a lot of verbiage and phrases from all over the U.S. The South, um, the Northeast, Middle America, the country. And there was a couple in here. I was like, oh, actually, I haven't heard this one. This is a new one. So I appreciate the diversity of the landscapes. Uh, of much of America, they they do some international. I think some some slight international ones like Caribbeans and places that are close um, in proximity to the United States. But an amazing book, historically backed phrases from "I ain't one of your little friends" to "Who all gonna be there?" Jared Hill, Travell Anderson. Check that out. We'll put that in the show notes, show notes, and you can go ahead and cop you one of these. <laughs>